Well, good morning, Vintage Church. How's everybody doing? Come on, this is an exciting day. You woke up, you're on the right side of the grass. Come on, somebody used to tell me that at the YMCA that I worked at. My name is Keegan. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new, uh, welcome. On behalf of all of our team, we're so excited that you joined us. And this is a great day to jump in because this is the start of a brand new series that we're going to have over the next six weeks called Run to Win. Come on, we are not here just for participation trophies. Okay, we'll get to that later. But we are to run to win this race. But before we dive into today's message, I do want to share a quick uh, announcement about our marriage retreat coming up called Away Together. Um, this is going to be in Georgetown, so it's not that far away, um, and it's going to take place February 24th and 25th. So husbands, come on, get away with your wife. This will be a great time to pour into your marriage, to spend some time together. You get a night away from the kiddos. Uh, there is no kids allowed at this event. Um, but the last day to register is this Thursday, February 2nd. So I think there's just maybe a dozen spots, if that, left. Um, there was 60 uh, spots to begin with, and so we're filling up fast, uh, but we are having uh, this time together just to pour into your marriage. You're going to take time to hear from some people that have lived a great marriage, lived a great life, serving God together. They're pastors from a church in California. They actually were the pastors that married Pastor Nathan and Ashley Brown, who are our Liberty Hill lead pastors, and so there's just great connection there. They know their life. They can vouch for them. Um, It's just going to be an incredible time, so make a effort to do that. You can pay in three installments, so if the $330 up front is too much, uh, right now, right here today, that's all right. You just need to pay that first uh, 110 of it by February 2nd to secure your spot, and then you can pay out the rest uh, before you get to the conference, okay? So does everyone know about our Way Together conference? Very good. All right. We're excited this morning. I can see it on your faces. Well, let's dive in. Our scripture kind of for this whole series, you probably, if you've been in church a little bit, you've heard this one before, but we're going to take a closer look at it, and it's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says this. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible Version. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Come on. Right off the bat, Paul's not saying just run and whatever happens, happens. No, if you enter a race, you should want to win that race. Come on, anybody. So we're to run our Christian life in a way that we're winning and obtaining the prize. And we'll talk about what the prize is later. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly. Come on, we don't want to run around this life aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body. Somebody say, I discipline my body. This is a participation church, in case you didn't know. I'm going to get you involved this morning. I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. See, we got to set the tone right off the bat. That this life that we're called to run is a life that we're called to run to win a prize. And what is the prize? The prize is Jesus, right? The prize is accomplishing that which he has called us and empowered us and enabled us to be able to do. Come on, your life is not meaningless. Your life is not created by God just to go through the motions and pay the mortgage and, and pay all your bills and then leave something behind when you die. 
right? That's not the, the end-all, be-all of our life. God has given us great purpose on this earth, and there's reason we still have lungs in our breath, and that is to continue to pursue what God has called us to do. Jesus is the highest prize, and leading others to him is our greatest endeavor. I'll say that again. Jesus is the highest prize, and our greatest endeavor is leading others to him. Come on, it's only what we do that has eternal value that really matters. Right? There's going to be some things that we accomplish this side of heaven that, that can I just tell you right up front, they're going to fade away. There's a lot of things that people are spending energy and time and toiling to do that at the end of the day, they're going to fade away. But what we do for Christ, what we do that has eternal ramifications, that is what will last. And that's what we want to focus on. So today, we're going to talk about spiritual health. You know, the Bible has a lot to say, and over the next six weeks, we're going to talk a lot about all the different aspects of our life that God wants us to be healthy in, including, you know, emotional, physical, mental, so on and so forth. Economically, we want to be healthy, but none of that matters if we don't first have spiritual health. Everything that we do has a spiritual component to it. Come on, do you believe that? Everything we do, if we invite God into it, has a spiritual component to it. Nothing that we do with God goes to waste. Even when we're going to the grocery store or performing some of the most menial, mundane tasks of our life, do you know that we can invite God into that? And our visit to the grocery store can become a, a moment with God? You're like, really? It's the grocery store. I'm just there to pick up ramen noodles. No, truly. What if in your shopping, you're just like, hey, God, you got, you got anything you're thinking about that, that we can talk about? Or, God, you know what? I'm so glad that I have money to even go into this store and be able to get some groceries. God, thank you. Thank you for giving me enough money to purchase food today. Matter of fact, is there anybody else that I need to pick up something for? What if all of our shopping endeavors had God leading them? It doesn't mean every time you go, you, you know, spring in for five other people, but have you ever gone to the grocery store and asked God if there's anything he, he needs you to pick up for somebody else? See, what I love about this series is that there's going to be a lot of practical application. Pastor Stephen says this all the time, what we learn on a Sunday morning, we should be able to apply in our life on Monday. Amen. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. So let me give you a few statistics as why we're even getting into this. The statistics on the decline of church attendance, Bible reading. Uh, in 2021, this is latest statistics from the American Bible Society on Bible reading, about 50% of Americans said they read the Bible uh, on their own at least three or four times per year. That was last year, 2021. Sorry, two years ago. But in 2022, it dropped 11 points. Now only 39% say they read the Bible multiple times per year or more. It's the steepest, sharpest decline on record. People aren't reading their Bibles anymore to the same degree that they were 10, 20 years ago, even a year ago, from 50% to 39%. And we wonder why we have the problems we have. Well, I can tell you, you don't solve problems without the solution, without the answer. So if you stop reading where the solutions are found, you stop looking for where the answers are found, you're not going to find answers. And that's why we find our society in the state that it's in right now. Because less and less people are looking to God's word. 
Church attendance, this is from the Institute of Family Studies, says religious attendance has declined significantly in the past two years. Part of this is related to COVID. Share of regular church attenders is down by 6% from 34 in 2019 to just 28% in 2021. Why do we struggle with our spiritual health? Well, number one, it's not a priority anymore. Right? You can't have spiritual health without going to the source. And statistics are showing that people are not reading their Bible and they're not showing up to church. And we wonder why people are out deconstructing their faith, trying to figure out all these you know, things on their own. If you don't go to where the answers are, you're not going to have the answers. It's as simple as that. You know, we started this campaign, this Year of the Bible uh, campaign for this year. We're encouraging everybody in our church to read through their entire Bible. How many of you have read through your entire Bible before? It's awesome. I will tell you right now, we're ahead of the curve nationwide. To have that many hands raised, like we're ahead of the curve, that's a great thing. But we'll tell you, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Nathan, myself, you have got to get in the Word of God for yourself. Just what we have in this few moments on a Sunday morning is not enough to sustain your life. I mean, we will give you our everything every week and open up this Bible and share with you God's truth. But if, if you're just leaving it to be and sit on the shelf from Monday through Saturday, I can't do much else for you. No pastor can. No leader can. You've got to exercise that discipline and make it a habit in your life. So let's talk about some of these challenges to spiritual health. Number one, the influence of the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's a lot of us that this is our greatest struggle to our spiritual health is that we just are consumed with the world. And that doesn't mean it's all a bunch of negative stuff. I'm not saying you're, you know, strung out on a porn addiction. I'm not saying you're, you know, you're watching just a bunch of, of murder stuff and you're just, I'm not talking about all this evil stuff. I'm talking about just in general, we get our little iPhones out and we look at our weekly tally of what we've been spending our time on and we've just been on social media for, you know, 30 hours out of the week. Didn't invest five minutes into our spiritual health. And we're just influenced by the world. We're just, whatever they're throwing at us, we're just consuming it. And we're just spending our time and our energy on it. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things you can do for your spiritual health is to tune out and turn off some of the other influences. You've got to take time to turn the TV off. You've got to take time to, to put your phone down. You might say, man, you talk about that a lot. Because it's probably the biggest thing holding people back in our society. I've got to keep talking about it because you can't go anywhere and, and not see a family sitting down to eat together and still all of them on their phone. If we can't even get eyeball to eyeball with each other for one meal, how are we going to get eyeball to eyeball with God? And this is why we're struggling. Influence of the world. Trying to chase that Instagram fame, the, the Facebook likes, all that stuff. Come on, when we get more consumed about the audience of one, to quote some, some old believers who knew a little something about what it meant to walk with God, when we get more concerned about our time with him than what everybody else is seeing us do on Instagram, and you know, I don't even have time for that. People ask me all the time, did you see so-and-so? Did you see so-and-so? No. I'm in a fun group with, with the Hodges, my wife and I, and, 
And they post all kinds of funny, great stuff. I catch maybe 13% of it, to be honest. They're probably like, why is this clown even in the group? He, he doesn't partake of all the wonderful things. I honestly, I don't have time for everything. <laughs> Not that they do either. I think they just throw it out there for me to mess with me. But, but it's as simple as that. Come on, any of you that have seen breakdown in your personal real life, you know, earthly relationships, you know that when you start drifting away and stop spending time, they're just, you start feeling that distance. It's as simple as that. When you're not intentional about taking time to be together, the relationship starts to fall apart. Number two, the temptation of sin. This is another challenge to our spiritual health. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. You know, this is a great scripture because a lot of people, how many of you have heard people say, well, nobody else really understands what I'm going through? Come on, have you ever heard that? Listen, the Bible says there's nothing that you have encountered that isn't common to man. It may not be common to the people in your certain sphere, but it doesn't mean you're the only one who's ever dealt with it. And when it comes to temptation, God says, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But here's the thing. You have to go to him to have strength. Come on, you can't overcome temptation in your own willpower. How many of you have tried and failed? I'll raise my hand. You know, I, I remember, you know, when you're a young man and, and you're talking to young men who are, you know, getting all their hormones going and they're struggling with, with their sexuality and, and, and there's all, obviously, the stuff that's rampant on the internet that, that can just, you know, suck men and women in, but especially guys. There's no doubt that that industry is trying to rail in guys. And the thing about it is, is you can never overcome the lust for those things just in your own willpower. And any guy who's tried to overcome a, a pornography temptation knows that. You just can't do it in your own strength. What do you have to do? You have to develop a love that's greater for God. Because when your passion for God starts burning greater than your passion for other things, guess what? The temptation's just not even, it's not even a temptation anymore. Why? Because you have something that you've tasted and seen is so much more fulfilling and doesn't leave you feeling shame and doesn't leave you feeling like you've just failed and, and you're pitiful. When you develop a passion for God, when you start to experience a relationship with God that's alive and vibrant, guess what? The devil can't allure you with so many things. He can try, but it's like when you're, when you're stuffed full and people offer you a whole nother spread, are you hungry for it? No, why? Because you're full. We've got to get full of godly things. We've got to get full of the Spirit of God. We've got to get full of His presence. That's the greatest offense is the greatest defense. Be offensive. Be active. Be proactive in your relationship with God. And guess what? The devil won't have nearly as many ways to trap you. Get on fire for God. It's something we used to say 20 years ago, you know. I'm on fire for God, and now you don't see it because people are like, well, all the charismatics made it weird. You know what being on fire for God means? It just means that you love him more than anything else in your life. And it shows. You're like, why are you yelling at me? I'm not. I'm just excited about this. I genuinely have passion about Jesus in my life. And I know that the only way 
that I can overcome is to maintain my relationship and my passion for Christ. Not in my own strength. I don't have the willpower. I never will. Number three, the hardships of life. This is a tough one for people. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you, in me, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Hardships can cause people to stop focusing on the spiritual habits that keep them connected with God. Right? Crisis hits and all of a sudden, you don't, you don't go to your Bible. You, you stop spending time with God because you're too busy stressing over the thing that's happening in your life. And I'm not saying or minimizing that those things aren't real. But can I tell you, when crisis hits and when hardships hits, that's the time you need to get the most with God. When you're in the middle of the storm is when you need to say, God, I, I need you now, maybe more than I have ever. That's the moment to lean into God, not just forget about him and try and figure it and sort it all out on your own strength. Hardships can be a challenge just maintaining our spiritual health. Isaiah 53.6 says this, we all went astray. Somebody say all. all. That's all of us. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. I want to dive into this story. It's a story that if you've been in church for any period of time, you probably are familiar with it. It's the story of the prodigal son. But we're not just going to talk about the prodigal son. We're going to talk about his, his elder brother as well. And how many of you know in this story, the father represents our heavenly father. So I'm going to read through this in Luke 15, 11 through 24. It says this. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. I mean, talk about hitting the lowest of the lows. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Come on, that's a where a lot of people find themselves in their relationship with God. How many of you have been there? Just run off and done your own thing and lost everything. Lost friends, lost relationships, lost money, lost your faith. You end up spiritually bankrupt. This is a state that the son was in, went and squandered it, didn't value what he had. 
in his father's house. And all of us are subject to this. All of us can get lazy in our faith. We can start to drift. We can start to take for granted everything that God has given us, everything that we have. You know, we talked a few weeks back about not forgetting his benefits and how David went through and his benefits were remembering that he had been forgiven of his sin. You know, we look so often just at material things. We've got to get our eyes off material things and see the, the true, lasting, eternal benefits that God has given us. So here's some training from the prodigal that we can hold on to. Number one, he came to his senses. Come on, if you're in that place where you realize you have run far from God and you've just been pursuing life, trying to do you, and it's empty and it's not fulfilling and, and you know there's something more because you, you feel and sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself, you know that Jesus is calling for you, you've got to come to your senses. There's got to be that moment where you wake up and say, I want something different than this. That's the beginning. And then it says he made a decision to return. Come on, once you get to that place where you recognize and you're aware of the, your spiritual state and the depravity that you're in, you've got to then make a decision. You've got to say, I'm not just, it's not good enough for me just to acknowledge that I'm in this place, that I'm far from God. I want to do something about it. And I'm going to return to God. And then it says, number three, he took action and set out on the journey. See, God is always available to us, but he waits to see if we'll pursue him. When you get serious about God, you will pursue him. This isn't, well, I'll just wait till God comes to me. You might wait a whole long time because God has already come to us. We just celebrated Christmas, right? God, Emmanuel, God with us. God already came to us. He's looking for us in our heart to pursue him. And I love that passage because the Bible says that as soon as the son made that decision and started to turn, even when he was a long way off still, God had him in his vision. He had him in his sight and he was already running towards him. God will pursue you. The moment you take a step to him, get, I'm telling you, he's running after you. He will beat you to the spot you think you're going to meet him at. And last, he humbled himself and confessed his sin. This is a hard one for us. Come on, none of us like to be wrong. <laughs> Anybody out there that just likes to be right? You know, we say, oh, we get all the jokes about, my mom says, she tells my stepdad, I'm only, I'm only wrong none of the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always right. And if you just recognize, come on. God is always in the right. The father had done nothing wrong against his son. It was the son that went and squandered and went away from God. But the father is ready to forgive. This is what the world needs to understand. You can be as far away from God as earthly possible. And the moment you make a step towards God and say, hey, I'm coming back to you, he's right there. And it's not, oh, yeah, you can go work in the, you know, you need to, there's penance now. You need to make it up to me. No, what's he say? Go get the robe. Go get the biggest calf you can find, the fattened calf. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. You were lost, but now you're found. This is how God greets those that are lost that come back to him. 
whether it's for the very first time or maybe you've been in a relationship. You know, the interesting part about this story is he wasn't an unbeliever. He was already in his father's house. He had grown up in it. This is a great story, not just for those that we always preach this in the sense of like those that are lost that have never met God. This is someone who knew his father and went away. And now he's coming back. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you've known God and went far from him or you've never known God and you're far from him. He's still ready with open arms. He's still ready to throw a party when you come back. Come on, that's great news. I could stop preaching right now. And that'd be good enough for a Sunday morning. But let's continue on because there's another son in this story. Luke 15, 28 through 32 says this. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you. And I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son, this son of yours come, or came, and notice he says, he doesn't relate to him as his brother. When this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you, and you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Come on, how many of you know that's a message to all of us who are, didn't leave God? Right? Maybe you're the one that when everyone else was making a choice to give up on God and you were like, no, I'm sticking with God. And you're like, I've been here the whole time, God. How come you ain't throwing me no party every day? And this whole self-righteousness thing can kick in. And you start to become entitled and start to feel like God owes you something more. And he's like, what more can I give you? you I've already given you eternal life. And guess what? You didn't have to go eat pig slop. You've been eating at my table the whole time. But you're now blind to what you have. To what you have access to every single day. Do you know that's a scary thing for those of us that are in the church? We can get that way. Come on, you've all heard of nose blind, right? Going to somebody's house and they've got like 14 dogs and 16 cats and three birds to boot. And they're like, they think their house smells great. And you're like, you want to meet somewhere else? Right? Because you're nose blind. You're just... You don't even notice. We don't want to be nose blind about what God has given us to the point where we don't value it anymore. And then we start getting jealous when we see God, our Father, throwing parties for people who are lost coming back. Don't be bitter like that. We've got to be able to celebrate. So as we close, let me give you some practical steps, training for spiritual health. And it does come back to a heart issue, but these are things that will help you guard your heart. Number one, studying the Bible regularly. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Like I said up front, if you stop looking in God's word for the answers, you're going to stop finding answers that work. Because God is the owner of truth. He's the owner of truth. It's not going to change. I don't care how much they try and deconstruct. I don't care how much they try and tell you this Bible's not relevant anymore. It was for all those people back in the Bible times in the first century and all that. Listen, God's word has outlasted every single society. Yeah. 
it's still the words of life. And if you want to live a healthy life and be spiritually sound, you've got to stay in God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. It's not enough just to read your Bible. You need to study it. Make sure you understand what God is saying, what he's teaching. Number two, obeying God's commands, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Right? It doesn't matter how much you know that impresses people. It's what you're doing with what you know. Come on. The reason a lot of people think that there's a lot of Christians that are hypocrites is because they say they believe one thing, but they don't do it. Right? You can say you believe in in marriage and being faithful, and then when you cheat on your spouse, guess what? You are a hearer only and not a doer. It's simple. God calls us to have integrity. We need to read his word, find out what he says about how to live, and then do it. Start being kind. Start being generous. Start being loving. Not just say, oh, yeah, I think those are great ideas. Number three, walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk by the spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. This is what I was touching on when I said the more you stay passionate about God and stay close to God, the less the devil can get a hold of you. Because there's nothing that he has to offer that's like worth anything. You're like, why would, I, why would I go after this temporary thing when I have this everlasting fulfilling thing over here? I don't have to fill some void because God's filling every void in me. I don't have to take extreme measures to deal with my depression or my mental health because I keep my mind focused on him. And his word says that he'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. Telling you, this whole mental health thing, I guarantee you the amount of appointments people would have to take, the amount of medications they have to take, would greatly diminish if people would keep their minds on God. And if you're in here today and you're, you're going through that and you're, you're on some medications, I'm, listen, I'm not downplaying all that. If that's what you need right now to, to, to get through it, but I can tell you that there's too many people that are looking to a doctor before they look to, to the king. God has made provision for our mental health. These last two, real quick. Cultivating a forgiving and grateful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 4.32, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. You've got to be grateful. I've got to be grateful. And that takes intentionality. It takes waking up and thinking about everything that God has given you every single day. You can form that habit. And last, number five, serving others in the local church. 1 Peter 4.10, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as God's stewards of the varied grace of God. I touched on this, I think, last week. Every one of you has been given a gift and when you're not here, when you don't come and gather with the rest of us, we're missing something. We're missing the greatness that God put in you to impact our life. 
And I don't care how insignificant you might think it is. I'm telling you, it's significant. That's why it's so important. But one of the greatest ways to maintain your spiritual health is to serve other people. I think I said this a couple of months back, too. There was that whole documentary about Selena Gomez and her mental health battle. And, and at the very end of it, she's on this online interview with her mental doctor, her mental therapist. And one of the things that he snuck in there, that I don't even know that he's a believer, but I happened to catch it because it was like so obvious to me. And he said, one of the greatest things that we encourage people to do that are to overcome their mental health is to get them to serve other people. He wasn't even talking about in the context of church. He was just saying in general. One of the best ways you keep your spiritual health and your mental health is to get your mind off yourself and to see how you can care for somebody else and love on somebody else. Every other thing that we're going to talk about the rest of this series will be second to this. You can go get in the gym. You can get in the most peak physical shape of your entire life. And if your spiritual health isn't in the same shape, you're going to struggle. And it really won't mean much, so you can bench press 1,000 pounds. Because that doesn't do anything for you spiritually. Let me pray for you. I know it's a little heavy, but I just want this stuff to sink in. I'm going to continue to help you see how practical, how simple it is. It's not easy to do these things, but it is simple. And I'm not going to take too much more time, but if you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes. With no one looking around, every service, we want to give you an opportunity to get right with God. You may be like that prodigal today that I talked about, that maybe you've just, you've run from God. Maybe you've never had anything to do with God, and and you've heard other people talk about it, and maybe you've seen some hypocrites. Maybe you've seen some people that weren't living the life that they proclaimed to be living, and so that turned you off. Can I tell you, don't let other people keep you from God. People make mistakes, and yeah, there's some people that flat out don't take their faith seriously, but that has nothing to do with you and your relationship with God. And when we all stand before God someday, we're not going to be able to say, well, God, I didn't take my faith seriously with you because I saw somebody else not taking their faith serious. This is a personal decision. So if you've never given your life to Christ, let today be the day where you surrender, where you come to him, just like that prodigal, and you admit your sin, that you need him, that you need a savior. And if you're someone who has served God, you do know what it's like to follow God, but you've drifted and you've allowed all those other influences to take you away from God. Today, you can run right back to him and he will be running back to you, sprinting. I'm asking you if you're in one of those two places in your life today to raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, not trying to embarrass you this morning. But if you know you're not right with God, don't walk out these doors without getting right with him. Thank you, Lord. Let me just pray for you. Looks like we're all believers in here today. That's awesome. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son to come and die 
for our sins in our place, that we did not have to receive the punishment that we were due for running from you, God, from being apart from you. Lord, I thank you for salvation today. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we're grateful. And Lord, I pray that that from today's message and through this series, God, that we would form such an incredible passion for you, that we would begin to pursue you, Lord God, like we have never pursued you, that we would prioritize you, God, that we would not just make you a part of our lives, but we would make you the, the center that all the rest of our life is orientated around. Father, let us be those everyday disciples who run the race to win. I pray blessing over each and every person under the sound of my voice. And thank you for this day and for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.